What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. True crime, unsolved cases, strange disappearances. Join me as we travel through the timeline of some of the darkest acts in human history. I'm your host, Kevin Eustace, and welcome to the first season of The Deadly Countdown. A quick warning, today's episode contains vivid graphic descriptions of both gore and mutilation. The Vampire of Hanover The Butcher of Hanover The Wolfman All names attributed to the man whose real name was Friedrich Heinrich Karl Harman, commonly shortened to Fritz Harman. These nicknames were very much earned by Fritz due to the horrific nature of how he carried out his series of murders. Be warned, we are not dealing with a shoot-and-run killer today. No, Fritz enjoyed getting his hands dirty, quite literally. It's believed between 1918 and 1924 in Hanover, Germany... Harmon murdered at least 27 people that we know of. And the vileness of these crimes, well, it's borderline incomprehensible. I'm your host, Kevin Eustace, and welcome back to The Deadly Countdown. I'm sure you found episode two, the demoniac Michael Taylor, as shocking as I did. Whatever switch was flicked that made him kill his wife in such a horrific manner, we may never know. The question of why people kill has multiple answers. Passion, revenge, jealousy, insanity. All of these things could be reasons why people go out there and kill another human being. But of the murderers that we will look at throughout this series there's only a very small percentage 
that can claim the moniker of a serial killer. The Oxford Languages Dictionary states a serial killer is a person who commits a series of murders, often with no apparent motive, and typically following a characteristic, predictable behaviour pattern. Now, not only does that ring completely true with today's case, you, like I, will find yourself shaking your head in utter disbelief that this man was able to get away with such horrific crimes for so long. And so, for the Vampire of Hanover, let's start the deadly countdown. Fritz, the youngest of six children, had a very difficult childhood. Ollie and Joanna Harmon were his parents. Johanna was seven years older than Ollie, and many thought he married her for the money, as her family were rather well off. Ollie, on the other hand, was only rich in anger, reportedly short-tempered and quick to react. So Fritz developed a dislike for his father very early on. Harmon was a quiet youngster, who didn't interact with other children. He avoided the typical boys' hobbies and pastimes. Instead, he would dress up in his sister's outfits, playing with their dolls. Harmon may have had effeminate traits, but he grew into a powerful, muscular young man. After dropping out of school in 1894, he temporarily worked as an apprentice locksmith. And when he turned 15, he enrolled in the military academy. On April 4th, 1895, he began his military training, and he adjusted to life in the military rather well, becoming known to his superiors as a model soldier, a skilled marksman, a time he would later declare was the happiest of his life. However, he began experiencing periods of unconsciousness, only five months into his duty. After he was diagnosed with epilepsy, he voluntarily left the service and begrudgingly began to work with his father at his cigar business. Young Fritz had gone from experiencing the happiest time of his life to working for a man he detested. And instead of seeing the world with the military, he was back in Hanover. And it was during this time, Fritz Harmon carried out his first sexual crimes amongst the young boys of the area, luring them into secluded cellars and basements before going about his day as if nothing had happened. But it was this nonchalant attitude to his sexual crimes that led to his inevitable arrest. However, according to the court psychologist, he was incurably disturbed and so not competent to face trial and instead was sent to a secure psychiatric facility where he was ordered to stay indefinitely. But only seven months into his incarceration, with the help of his mother, he managed to escape, fleeing to Switzerland for 16 months before returning to Hanover unnoticed. He met a woman by the name of Erna Lowert in 1900, and after learning they were pregnant, they got engaged. However, Erna chose to abort the pregnancy. Harmon, 
arguably showing the desperation of the German military at the time, received a call up for mandatory military duty in October of that year. Being a superb marksman and an excellent soldier, he was back in his element and sent to the city of Colmar to serve in a rifle battalion. But in 1901, Harmon again experienced dizziness and spent over four months in hospital. He was awarded a medical discharge and a military pension, but was deemed unsuitable for duty. So once more he returned to Hanover and once more took a temporary job with his father. But Harmon sued his father, based on his ill health and the working conditions. But his father refuted the accusations and the case was dropped. The following year saw more conflict between father and son, including a demand from his father that Fritz be institutionalised. The courts refused the request. However, they did insist Fritz attend a psychiatric assessment. The doctor came to the interesting conclusion that Harmon was not mentally unstable, but was perhaps morally inferior. The military formally declared him disabled in 1904, which prevented him from working completely. But this did see his military pension increase as a result. That year, Harmon is also said to have accused Erna of having an affair. And, despite being pregnant once more, she called it quits on their engagement. Maybe this was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. In 1905, Harmon began receiving short prison sentences for crimes like assault, larceny and embezzlement. He spent most of the time between 1905 and 1912 in prison. In 1913, he was arrested for burglary. Of course, he claimed innocence. But after a stash of stolen items was found, Harmon was found guilty and sentenced to serve another five years. Fritz returned to Hanover after his sentence and amidst the abundance of poverty after the war, Harmon returned to crime. The black market was booming, as was crime, from theft to murder. Harmon quickly forged relationships with local police as an informer, mainly to distract them from his own criminal activities. In addition, Harmon was able to interact with young boys, since he was allowed to walk around Hanover Station freely while serving as an informant. Despite Harmon's criminal history and his status as a homosexual, which was illegal at the time, the police accepted him as an informant because of the valuable information he was able to provide on other offenders. Maybe it was this feeling of immunity. Maybe it was the birthing of some horrific personality. But whatever it was, the vampire of Hanover was born around this time. Although the actual number is probably closer to 27, Fritz is known to have killed at least 24 people between 1918 and the next six years. All of the victims were males, between the ages of 10 and 22, with the majority being teens. 
Harmon would entice the lad to return to one of his homes by offering lodging, help or employment. On occasion, he would even pose as an arresting officer. After bringing them some food and drink, he would reassure them everything was fine and then launch his attack. The way Harmon killed people was biting their Adam's apple, or what he called a love bite, which would either cause the victim to asphyxiate or, in rare cases, bite straight through the trachea. Once dead, except for his first victim who was buried and his final victim who ended up in a lake near the Hedenhausen Gardens, Harmon would cut up the bodies and throw the parts into the Liner River. Harmon, also, was well known for peddling meat on the black market. Post-war, meat was such a delicacy that eyebrows were raised. But he would always say he obtained the meat from a butcher called Carl, whenever questioned where it had come from. These tales would shift, and the eventual police investigation failed to establish the existence of Carl. This led many to speculate, following his arrest, that perhaps the meat he was selling was human. Friedel Roth, a 17-year-old who vanished on September the 27th, 1918, was that first victim. That same day, he had been spotted with Harmon. Following pressure from Roth's family, the police raided Harmon's flat in October as part of their investigation. A 13-year-old boy who was partially nude was in the flat when they arrived. After being arrested, Harmon was charged with sexual assault and given a nine-month term. Incredibly, when he was released, the police once again allowed him to be an informer. Harmon met a young runaway called Hans Gran, who was just 18 years old. For a time, he and Gran resided in a hotel until Harmon learned about an empty flat in Neustrauser next to the Liner River. On July the 1st, 1921, the couple moved into their new house. Fritz Frank, a 17-year-old pianist who had interacted with Harmon at Hanover Station, was the second victim of the vampire. Gran and two girls, one of whom was purported to be Gran's lover, were introduced to Frank when they returned back to the flat. When the girls returned the following day, they were told Frank had returned to Hamburg. It's unclear how much Gran knew of this murder and whether he understood what Harmon had in mind. Harmon subsequently said, however, that Gran had suddenly returned home and discovered Frank's nude body on Harmon's bed. Gran, according to Harmon, glanced at him and inquired when he should return, implying that Gran was fully aware of what was about to take place. Five weeks after killing Frank, Harmon encountered Wilhelm Schultz, then 17 years old, in Hanover Station. Since his clothes was in the Harmon's landlady's possession, even though his corpse was never located, it's assumed he'd been murdered by Harmon. Before Harmon and Grants left the flat in June, two more victims were slain at that location. 
Other victims included Roland Huch, a 16-year-old who told his friends he was running away to join the Marines and was never heard from again. Then there was a Hans Sonnenfeld, a 19-year-old who had disappeared sometime around May the 31st. Harmon was even seen wearing his very distinctive yellow overcoat after he'd gone missing. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Harmon and Grant moved into an attic flat in Rotrai, in reality simply a single room. Ernst Ehrenberg, a 13-year-old neighbour, vanished about two weeks later. He never returned from a simple errand. A later search of Harmon's room would find the young boy's braces and headgear. Heinrich Struh, an 18-year-old office clerk, vanished on August the 24th. Once again, his items were subsequently discovered in Harmon's flat. Just one month later, Paul Bronischewski, 17, went missing whilst heading to the city of Bochum. Police investigations revealed he'd gotten off the train at Hanover, seemingly where he met Harmon. His jeans, jacket, backpack and towel were all found at Harmon's apartment. It appears... Like some serial killers, trophy collecting was now part of Harmon's M.O. Although the outright gall of actually wearing the victim's items almost goes to show his apparent untouchable attitude. A Wilhelm Erdner, aged 16, went missing a fortnight later after failing to return home from work. His parents inquired and discovered that their son had met a detective Fritz Honnebrock. 
which was one of Harmon's aliases. Harmon and Gran hastily sold the 16-year-old bike to get rid of it, and less than a week after selling the bicycle, Harmon murdered two more adolescent boys. Herman Wolf, 15, went missing on October the 24th, again at Hanover Station, whilst Heinz Brinkman, 13, was last seen at Hanover Station on October the 27th. However, Harmon denied ever murdering Herman Wolf, and he was never convicted of that crime. But Harmon's killings were accelerating rapidly, with shorter intervals between each murder. Ernst Speaker went missing on January the 5th, 1924, and his belongings were once more found in Harmon's home. Harmon couldn't even recall the killing when questioned, but based on the information available, he assumed Speaker was one of his victims. Heinrich Koch was killed 10 days later, and Willy Senger, 19, and Hermann Speichert, 16, were killed the following month. It is believed they both knew Harmon previously, due to hanging around the station. Harmon's killings continued to escalate with no shortage of victims. However, then the killings paused, and the next victim wasn't slain until about April the 1st, some three months later. Hermann Bach, a Harmon acquaintance, was the victim. Following his arrest, Bach's belongings were found again in Harmon's flat. Just a week later, Alfred Hogreff, a 16-year-old runaway, disappeared from Hanover Station, and Wilhelm Apple, again just 16, was murdered by Harmon nine days later. The murders were once again escalating. Robert Witzel, 18, borrowed money from his mother to see the circus, and never returned. His parents discovered he was seen with an official from the station. Harmon confessed to that murder and to dismembering Witzel's body and throwing it into the Liner River. Just two weeks later, 14-year-old Heinz Martin was murdered, his clothes again discovered in Harmon's possession. On May the 26th, Fritz Wittig, a 17-year-old salesman, was murdered apparently solely because Gran liked his suit and wanted it for himself. He, too, was mutilated and tossed into the river. That very same day, Harmon murdered Friedrich Abling, a ten-year-old boy thought to be the youngest victim. Next, Harmon murdered 16-year-old Friedrich Koch, who'd been walking to college a fortnight later. However, witnesses saw Harmon with Koch, and they testified at his trial. The vampire's final victim was 17-year-old Eric de Vrie, who was killed by Harmon on June the 14th. De Vrie's dismembered body was placed in Koch's bag and thrown into the lake at Herrenhausen Gardens. After his arrest, Harmon calmly and almost boastfully claimed it took four trips to carry Cox's remains to the lake. Finally, 
Fritz's untouchable demeanour was about to be shattered. On May the 17th, 1924, two youngsters found a human skull in the Liner River. The skull had knife cuts and looked to belong to a young guy in his early 20s. Soon a series of skulls began being discovered, with one believed to belong to a young man aged 18 to 20. Another skull was found near a mill and another near a riverbank. The skulls were separated from the spine using a sharp instrument. One was believed to belong to a late teenage boy and the other to a boy aged 11 to 13. The mystery surrounding the disappearance of so many children and teenagers in Hanover for more than a year had gained momentum with the finding of these skulls. And on June the 8th, several hundred local people participated in a search of the regions along the Liner River. So many human bones were recovered during that search that the police dragged the whole length of the river that flowed through the city centre. This resulted in a discovery of around 500 bones, all human, and body parts, many of which had knife marks. A court doctor eventually determined that the bones and remains belonged to 22 distinct victims, and at least one-third of them were thought to be young boys between 15 and 20 years of age. Harmon quickly became a suspect, both because of his history of child molestation and sexual assault of a minor. Given that Harmon was known to spend a lot of time at the Hanover station, the police now decided to put him under surveillance. Two young police officers were dispatched to the station to assume the role of undercover agents in order to observe Harmon covertly. On June the 22nd, the two policemen saw Harmon at the station. Shortly after, he was observed fighting with a 15-year-old boy named Carl Fromm. Unbelievably, it was Harmon himself that approached the police officers, asking that the youngster be taken into custody for attempting to travel with fake documents. As the young man had indeed been travelling with fake documents, he was taken into custody. However, this would prove to be Harmon's undoing, because Fromm informed the officers he'd been with Harmon for four days and had been repeatedly raped, frequently with a knife to his throat. The next morning, Harmon was taken into custody and accused of assaulting the youngster sexually. This arrest allowed the police to search Harmon's flat, and they were horrified to see the walls, flooring, mattresses, ceiling. Everywhere was bloodstained. Harmon made an effort to persuade them that the blood came from the meat that he traded. When his neighbours, both at his current residence and those from his past addresses, were questioned, all of them mentioned how many young adolescent guys they'd observed visiting Harmon. Not only that, but some neighbours claimed in the early hours of certain mornings, Harmon was observed leaving his home carrying sacks and bags. 
In the spring of 1924, two of his former tenants said they had followed him one morning and saw him tossing a bag into the Liner River. Since it was believed that the numerous items of clothes and belongings discovered in Harmon's flat belonged to the victims, the police invited the parents and relatives of the missing boys to view the items on exhibit at the police station to see if they could identify anything. When several of the objects were recognised, Harmon maintained that he either obtained them from the underground market or that young men he'd slept with had left them there. Robert Witzel was recognised as the owner of the apparel, boots and keys that were discovered in the flat on the 29th of June. In May, Witzel's cranium was discovered in a garden. Harmon's alleged identity as the guy posing as a police officer and last seen with Witzel prior to his disappearance was subsequently confirmed by an acquaintance of Witzel. Harmon, for the first time, was now on the back foot following this identification and attempted to talk his way out of it at first. But the testimony and overall proof were just too strong. Harmon was distraught, trapped. Amidst the avalanche of evidence that was shown to them, Harmon's sister pleaded with him to be honest. And finally, he began confessing about the several young men who were raped, killed and dismembered between 1918 and 1924. He described this time as a rabid sexual passion and insisted that although he had no intention of killing the boys, he did feel compelled to bite through their Adam's apple since he, as he put it, was in the throes of ecstasy. Harmon claimed to find the act of dismembering the bodies abhorrent but the urge to bite was far stronger than that distaste. He then went into detail about how he would dispose of the bodies. And if you have a weak stomach, I would maybe skip a good few 30 seconds. He would prepare himself a strong black coffee, then put the body on the ground, covering its face. He would start by taking out the guts and placing them in a pail. After sponging off the blood that would have accumulated in the abdominal cavity, three incisions would be made between the shoulders and the ribs. After that, he would press the ribs upward until the shoulders cracked. The heart, kidneys and lungs, amongst other internal organs, would be removed next cut into small pieces and placed in the pail with the intestines. Harmon would then remove the legs and the arms, occasionally removing the flesh and simply flushing it down the toilet in small chunks. Harmon would chop off the head as the final part of the body. He would then take a small knife and cut all the flesh off the skull's bones. He would then wrap the skull in rags and give it a hammering with an axe. Harmon was able to access the brain as a result. 
and the brain would also end up in the pail. He would then dump this grisly bucket combination into the river. He didn't go into detail, but at one point he claimed there were even more victims than the police were aware of. He claimed to have slain 50 to 70 small boys, but the authorities could link him to just 27 so he would only be prosecuted for those killings. Gran was also accused of being an accessory to murder, because Harmon stated that Gran's insistence led to some of the killings being carried out. For example, when he liked a man's suit. Harmon was deemed competent to stand trial after undergoing a psychological evaluation, and he entered a guilty plea to 14 of the 27 murders. Before the trial started on December the 4th, 1924, because he didn't know who the other 13 were, he said he wasn't sure if he'd committed them, displaying his arrogant nonchalance to the end. Grant entered a not guilty plea to all counts of aiding and abetting murder. Despite the testimony of over 190 witnesses, the trial took place in less than two weeks. Among those brought to testify were psychiatrists, police officials and acquaintances. The parents of many of the victims were also called in to verify the identification of items discovered in Harmon's flat. On December the 19th, the court reassembled and Harmon was found guilty of 24 of the 27 killings. Harmon stood and declared he accepted the sentence of death by beheading. Gran, however, lost it when he was judged guilty and given the same sentence. Harmon was taken at 6am on April 15th, 1925, to the Hanover Prison guillotine. His last request fulfilled whilst he was in his cell, were for an expensive cigar and a Brazilian coffee. I am guilty, gentlemen, but hard though it may be, I want to die as a man, Harmon declared prior to his execution. I repent, but I do not fear death, he said as he lowered his head to the guillotine. We often think of World Wars 1 and 2 obviously for the massive loss of human life. But what this case gives a terrifying insight into is the lack of law and order in a country following a war. But the one thing I cannot get my head around with this case is how the police could arrest a sex offender and then release him and employ him as an informant. We're left to pick apart cases like this and try and understand how people like Fritz Harmon are created. Again, it's nature versus nurture. Was he born this way, always destined to be a serial killer? Or did the circumstances around him mould him into that man? Certainly, an untouchable narcissistic superiority complex is something we will revisit 
later on in the season. But I think, for now, we'll call it a day for the Vampire of Hanover. Thank you to each and every one of you who's joined me on this horrific journey. Next week, we return with episode 4, plus news of our new Patreon that we will be setting up, and also, we take a look at arguably one of the most famous unsolved cases ever in the UK. Jill Dando, known and loved by millions, has been brutally murdered. The 37-year-old presenter died in hospital after being found shot through the head on her own doorstep. Tonight in West London, a massive police hunt for the well-dressed man seen running away down the street in which she lived. The BBC's Peter Sissons there, delivering the news to the nation that one of their most beloved presenters had been assassinated on her own doorstep. Yes, next week, episode four, we take a look at the slaying of Jill Dando. All audio used in today's show is protected by fair use and links to the audio can be found in the show notes of this programme. So, all that's left to say is I will see you next week for episode four, and until then, stop the clock. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.